Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, it's Misty. And this is Lattes and Legends. Hello, it's Sunday, March the 1st. Happy almost spring for some people. Um, we're currently having fake spring, which is awesome. Um, sometimes we see snow in the forecast, sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's 60 degrees, sometimes it's 4. Oh, Colorado, your weather is so grand. Anyway, hi. This is episode 40, and it's Lattes and Legends, and I'm having a cup of coffee, because it's early in the day, still have a full day of chores and stuff to do, so I thought I might as well get this show on the road, get this going. Uh, today I'm going to talk about New Mexico urban legends, because it's the state closest to me, currently. Um, but first I wanted to say thanks to all the new Facebook views and followers. If you would like to find me on Facebook, it's real easy. Lattes and Legends podcast. Just type it in your little search bar. There it goes. There's the picture. You're in. Um, what else? Instagram. I have a couple new followers. Guys, I am the worst about Instagram. I don't know what it is. I will, uh, do my best to put some pictures up. Uh, look, I'm writing it down right now. Instagram. Perfect. Hi. Yay. It's also Lattes and Legends on Instagram. Twitter is not my friend either because I never get on it. But when I do, it's Lattes and Legends. Um, I still have a Patreon, which I would love for you to become a patron. If you listen and you like what you are listening to, you will get a free sticker for a certain amount. And a free coffee mug for a certain amount. And a free sticker and coffee mug for a certain amount. I say certain amount because I have no idea what I set up. Because it's been that long since I looked at it. Maybe I should refresh that sometime soon. Hmm. Uh, that's patreon.com slash lattesandlegends. My website is lattesandlegendspodcast.com. Could use a lot more reviews on Apple or Anchor, or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Um, yeah. So if you do write a review, I will love you. 
forever. And please let it be a five-star review so I can keep doing this. I would really, really, really love to keep doing this because I love doing it. And I love sharing stuff with you guys. Um, so the two stories I have today are very new to me. And I did not mean for them both to be about aliens and UFOs. But guess what? They are. So here we go. The first one is uh, aliens under... Aliens under Dolce, or Dulce, I'm not sure how I'm going to pronounce it, because um, I've actually learned two different ways to pronounce it. The Italian way that my grandfather used to tell me, and then the Spanish way, and then I guess I've, I've learned more than that. Anyway, I'll just say Dolce, because that's what I know. Alright, um, so sources for this, onlyinyourstate.com slash New Mexico slash Urban Legends. Gaia.com slash article slash is there proof of aliens inhabiting the Dolce secret Air Force Base? Hmm. Curiosity.com and SantaFeNewMexican.com. All right, and Wikipedia. Can't forget Wikipedia, the tried and true. All right, so where is Dolce? Dolce was founded by the Gomez family um, way back in the day as a ranching town and the original name was Agua Dulce which is Spanish for sweet water because of the presence of natural springs that provided good drinking water for their people and their animals. The original homestead was founded in 1877. Um, there was a reservation established there in 1887 when the Apache people were forced into reservations. And the Gomez Ranch is currently under Manuel Gomez ownership. Uh, that's also surrounded by reservation land. It is super um, close to me, which is news to me because I'd never even heard of it. It's in northeast New Mexico near Lumberton. Lumberton. Um, and it's about two hours from me and I looked on the map and I was like wow there's no reason for me not to go to this place so here we go um, so the details surrounding the supposed Dolce Air Force Base Wars might seem a little abs absurd um, or imagined so there's lots of testimonies about what happened here there's a lot of local residents that say strange things occurred. So, here we go. The secret subterranean military base at Mount Archuleta on the Colorado-New Mexico border is as highly classified as Area 51. It was allegedly inhabited by a battalion of gray aliens conducting experiments on humans. And apparently the military knew about it. Eventually, paranoia intentions paranoia and tensions ran high, resulting in a deadly firefight that exposed the Dolce base level 7. Mm -mm -mm. What, if any proof, corroborates this story and the accounts of the whistleblowers who supposedly worked there? And what about the state trooper who found a humanoid species in a mutilated cattle carcass resting in a field nearby? Mm. So this man named Philip Schneider knows all so let's talk about mr philip schneider he's one of the most notable names in the dolce air force base stories allegedly he worked as a geo geological <laughs> sorry engineer 
um, contracting for the government in its construction of a program known as DUMB or Deep Underground Military Bases. DUMB, D-U-M-B. Yep, I'm gonna let that roll around in your heads for a second. All right. According to Schneider, the system of bases spans the continental U.S. with over 100 interconnected subterranean tunnels. Within the Dolce Base's seven levels, Schneider had clearance to construct a system of tunnels under the Secret Service supervision. One day while digging, he and his colleague experienced technical difficulties. In their attempt to fix these technical difficulties, they came upon some gray aliens. A battle ensued in which he was one of the three survivors out of 60 men. During the battle, accounts alleged that these aliens shot lasers from their chests, burning off some of Schneider's fingers and a leg. Huh. Okay, let it roll around. Um, do you guys think this is unbelievable or believable? Um, what exactly do you think? Alright, well... All right, um, so also a number of strange narratives related to the Dolce battle, including those from locals and law enforcement, attest to strange phenomenon in the area. And all of these relevant names in the story are tied to each other in many different ways, but everyone experiencing different stage occurrences, most with very dark outcomes. But whether the stories are the product of actual extraterrestrial activity or government scare tactics all this still is up for debate so after this alleged battle schneider dedicated his life to serving as a whistleblower exposing the events that occurred during his time there there are videos of schneider describing the experiments conducted deep underground by the grays on human life he said that human specimens were kept in liquid-filled capsules where the greys experimented with human DNA. Schneider said that the greys would absorb the blood of humans and cows for sustenance. Um, so if I find these videos, guess where they're going? Yes, that's right, I'll put them on Instagram, if I can do that. I don't even know how to do that. Guess now's the time to figure it out. Anyway, the fate of Philip Schneider, however, adds to the level of conspiracy and the extent to which intelligence agents were involved. Schneider spent the latter part of his life giving speeches about his alleged experiences at the base. He often said he was being watched by the government and if he was ever found to have committed suicide, one would assume he was murdered. In 1996, he was found dead with a cord wrapped around his neck and what was labeled a suicide. Hmm. Another name that was involved with the case of was um, a security guard named Thomas Costello. He also allegedly witnessed this project and saw local persons, local missing persons underground, being experimented by the gray, on by the Greys. Costello says he witnessed the rising tension and paranoia between thousands of aliens and government employees in advance of the violence as well. Um, but there's not a lot from him. Oh, yikes. Um, so there's further proof. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Where am I in my notes? So a little over, I don't know, two years ago, 
a local newspaper interviewed some residents on the Apache Reservation. Um, about 2,500 people live there. Residents of the town are quick to discuss their experiences, any sightings or strange phenomenon that they might have around the base, which is near, quote, the UFO highway. The town has embraced the UFO community and has become the next tourist stop after Roswell. Man, why don't I need to go here? Why have I not been there? I went to Roswell. I need to go to Dolce, especially since it's so close. Um, so one account from a state trooper in 1975 um, said um, the state trooper reported coming across a mutilated cattle carcass in a field right outside of Dolce and he described it as looking like a human, a monkey, and a frog. It didn't have any bones in its head. It was full of water. He said it looked like the uh, mutilated cattle was an incubation chamber for a cloned creature. Ooh. So after he found the carcass, he found listening devices in his home, and then he reported a UFO sighting. He claims that there are four bases at Dolce, which are now inactive, but he does not believe there were any alien beings there. He does say he believes the UFOs he saw were not exactly extraterrestrial, but they were stealth military. Hmm. He also revealed that he has insight that the military was researching uh, sorry, he has insight about what the military was researching at the base, but he cannot disclose it for reasons unknown. Um, so a lot of people think that he is implying that he has undercovered some biological experiments that the government um, is conducting. Oh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Pretty crazy stuff. And like I said, I'm going to look up this Philip Schneider guy. Um... And see what I can find on him. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Hey, it's me. I am back. I just wanted to bring up something I just looked up. So this is on ufo.fandom.com. And it is a write-up about Mr. Philip Schneider. All right. So he was a Dolce Base enthusiast and employee. Um, Philip Schneider claimed to be an engineer who worked on the installations of the Dolce base. Uh, he also claimed to be one of the escapees of the 1979 Dolce Wars between aliens. He alleged that a scar on his chest was from a radiation weapon blast that occurred during his escape in 1979. Some have confirmed that a large scar did exist on his chest and he believed that the cancer that he had contracted was caused from the exposure of, quote, cobalt radiation from the aliens. Hmm. Although none of Philip Schneider's claims have been proven, he has been, he talked publicly about the Dolce base. And his death came right a week after Carla Turner's death. And I found out Carla Turner was part of um, an awareness group uh, for MK Ultra, and she said that she had been abducted um, in Arkansas. So that's that about him. 
Um, his death was considered to be caused by a heart attack. Um, but later, it said his death was strangulation. So there's that. Um, all right, so my next urban legend is the Heart Canyon Flying Saucer. And this, again, is so close to me. It's in Aztec, New Mexico. Like, this is literally minutes away from my house. Not to triangulate myself, but it is. All right, my sources for this story are winninginyourstate.com, Wikipedia, roadsideamerica.com, thedailytimes.com, mysteriousuniverse.com. Org 201809 and mysteriousuniverse.org 2020-01. Alright, so the Aztec New Mexico UFO incident was a flying saucer crash alleged to happen in 1948 in Aztec New Mexico. The story was first published in 1949 by author Frank Scully uh, in Variety Magazine columns and then he wrote a book in the 50s called Behind the Flying Saucers. Um, in the mid-50s, the story was exposed as a hoax, and two men were claimed to have fabricated this whole story. Um, in the 70s, there were a lot of UFOologists that resurrected the story, and they said that it was real. And then in 2013, an FBI memo claims that some UFOologists... Um, never investigated this story so i'm gonna get really in depth about this super fast all right so the story of what has been commonly called quote the other roswell supposedly begins in march of 1948 when an unidentified craft reportedly came down from the sky to make a controlled landing or crash at the remote desert moonscape of Heart Canyon, near the small town of Aztec, New Mexico. The object was supposedly then witnessed perching atop a mesa by oil workers Silas Newton and Leo Gebauer? Gebauer? Oh, I don't know. Gebauer? I think Gebauer. Well, I'll say Silas and Leo when I use their names. Um, and they were trying to out a brush fire at the time when they saw what was behind no what they saw was beyond anything they'd ever seen and they described it as being an immense metallic disc around 100 feet in diameter composed of some sort of lightweight but powerful metal that showed no signs of seams joints screws nails or even damage and which held within a single portal in its side the strangest thing of all was that when the workers peered into the window-like openings, they claimed they had seen 16 burned bodies of what looked like miniature humanoids, Ooh. Uh, and they seemed to be killed by the impact. The men called the local police, who, who arrived on the scene to be flabbergasted, as they were, and it was as they stood about with their mouths open. Um, and then the military blocked off the area and allegedly told them never to speak of this event again. Well, it seems to be what they do, isn't it? All right, so 
Um, as is often the case with such incidents, the military then went about whisking the craft and its occupants off. And the two oil workers apparently could not keep their mouths shut about it because they soon relayed their account to a journalist by the name of Frank Scully. Oh man, why do they always tell the journalists? I don't get it. Um, so in 1949, Scully would print a whole series of articles on the incident in Variety Magazine, going on to mention that uh, it happened in his book as well, Beyond the Flying Saucers. It was at this point where the story would enter the annals of great UFO incidents and also acquire a bit of controversy that has continued to this day. Mm -mm -mm. I love this stuff, guys. Shortly after Scully's book was published, doubt was thrown into the whole thing. When the two original witnesses were exposed as not being oil workers, but con men who concocted this whole story as a scheme to make money selling alien technology, um, it worked out perfectly for them, as the remote area was so isolated that no locals had reported anything out of the ordinary. The two policemen who had been on the scene were not available for questioning, and of course, the military was not talking. It basically came down to the word of the first two witnesses, and they could make up the story however they liked. The idea as if they scammed Scully, who believed it was genuine, in order to get publicity and to get the account out into the wild. Indeed, some of this technology the men supposedly found had been passed on to J.P. Kahn of the San Francisco Chronicle, who had it tested to find out it was just, a no it was just normal aluminum, and around this time, um, people were being swindled by them, and everyone said it was a hoax. Uh, so it seems pretty cut and dry, right? Well, there was nothing that could prove it. Mm -mm -mm. Is there ever any proof? So in the 1980s, the case began to gain traction again. Um, a lot of people in the UFO community decided that it was not a hoax and it was maybe something they should look into. So there were some UFOologists, Scott and Suzanne Ramsey, who spent decades tracking the story down and hunting clues that they would include in their book, The Aztec UFO Incident. One of the first things they point out is the idea that this was all orchestrated by two con men. Um... And Scott Ramsey said this, quote, Gotta remember, from 1952 until about 1986, no one would touch the Aztec incident. It was poisoned. No UFO researchers would touch it because it was considered a hoax. This was taken apart in our book. We realized the government engineered the story to sink Aztec, and they were willing to ruin the lives of two, three, people to make sure it got covered up. You cannot refute the evidence that we have put in this book. Hmm. I like his thinking there. Um, so the book also drew attention to an FBI document called Hotel Memo, written by Guy Hotel, the head of the FBI field office in Washington in 1950, directed to J. Edgar Hoover. And part of it reads this. An investigator for the Air Force stated that three so-called flying saucers had been recovered from New Mexico. 
They were being described as circular and shaped with raised centers approximately 50 feet in diameter. Each one was occupied by three bodies of human shapes, but were three feet tall, dressed in metallic cloth of very fine texture. Each body was bandaged in a similar manner, manner to the blackout suit of speed flyers and test pilots. Um, the saucers were found in New Mexico due to the fact that the government was a very high-powered radar setup in that area, and it's believed that the radar interferes with controlling mechanisms of the saucers. Hmm. That's interesting that the government might want to put that out. So at this time, many people thought um, that they that this government official was referring strictly to Roswell. But some people think that they were referring to the Aztec incident as well. They point out various pieces of evidence to support this, um, such as an incident in which a man was approached for selling photos of the alleged crash with the government arresting him in Denver to purchase these photos. Ramsey said this about that incident. Just as the buy was about to go down, the FBI and Army stepped in. And they specifically, in that FBI report, say the gentleman was trying to sell pictures of the Aztec flying saucer. The bottom line on that is the government took the Aztec flying saucer very seriously. If there was no Aztec flying saucer, there would not have been, they have, they were, they had not, they would not have been willing to pony up a bunch of money to buy some photos if they existed or not. Hmm. Um, so there were other pieces of evidence that the Ramses put forward about this crash to point out that it was not a hoax. Um, they state that the witnesses were actually 100% believable and that something strange did go down in the Badlands in 1948. Um, Scott Ramsey said this, quote, The witnesses were all 100% certain that they saw that day not a conventional aircraft. Based on clear witness memories, there's no doubt that they saw a landing a landed flying saucer from origins unknown. I honestly think in 1948, this was right after World War II, where the only, we were only three years after the war, the Cold War was going on. I think our government was absolutely smart in not letting our enemies know that we had recovered one, two, three, maybe four flying saucers. Why would we let the Russians know that, about this kind of technology? We were better off to make it look like a hoax, ridicule, ridicule the people who saw it. You know, we had to make them think the town was drunk. We do that and move on. Takes technology and try to figure out because if we've got it, God bless, it's a lot better than if they have it. Huh. Scott Ramsey, I think you were on to something. Um, so in the end, they claim that this really did happen and that the witnesses were sincere but it was totally buried by the government. So is this what really happened? Hmm. Whether or not it's true, the whole incident has made the area of Aztec, New Mexico, a tourist mecca for UFO enthusiasts. There's an annual UFO festival um, and the supposed crash is marked with a plaque and you can go visit it today. What? Um, 
Yes, please. When am I going? Uh, um, so basically left, we're left to wonder if it was a media sensation, if it was a full on hoax or if something really did go down there. Um, I don't know guys. I've spent some time in, some time in New Mexico and quite possibly it, I mean, it's creepy. It's just you and the, the sky and the stars and it's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's craziness. So yeah. So Aztec, New Mexico and Dulce. Go visit. Tell me what you think. Maybe I'll go and I'll post some pictures just like I did in Roswell. Guys, I hope you have a great weekend. Granted, it's just the end of the weekend, but I hope you have a great end to your weekend. I hope it's beautiful and sunny and warm and you get everything you want for March. <laughs> anyway, I will talk to you guys next week. Have a wonderful evening and uh, try not to hoax any UFO crashes. Bye.